Today's show is sponsored by The Wandering Owl. TheWanderingOwl.com Imagine yourself under a starry sky, around the warm glow of the sacred fire, as your hosts Sarenth Odinson and James Stovall talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? Moikosh, Yord, Pachumama. You have many names, but they are all moist Mother Earth. Mother, we thank you so much for everything that you give us. You give to us with such abundance and such love. You cradle us and hold us. You support our dreams, Mother. You help us to have good lives with people and brothers and sisters of plants and animals that we love, that share our lives. This is a huge garden of opportunity and blessings that you give us. Mother, help us, remind us in this coming year of all the blessings that you give us and all the things that we take from you. Help us to walk in beauty, to understand our responsibilities, to care for you and for each other. Help us to see the ways of wisdom, to understand the life that we are given, and to find a better way of living these lives. Thank you, Mother, for everything that you give us. Thank you so much. We love you, Mother, with our breaths, with our voices, with our very souls. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Around Grandfather Fire. This is episode number 11. My name is James Stovall, and I am flying solo tonight. Sarah Odinson is off on assignment, we'll call it. He's busy doing some other things that are keeping him occupied, but that's all right. It's uh, I hope you're looking forward to a new year like I am, a secular new year anyway, at least for those of us following a, a more Roman calendar. Um but it's really exciting to me that here we are and we're getting ready to start a new year. Lots of things going on. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of ready for 2018 to bow and leave the stage. It's been not a bad year, not by any means, at least not for me personally, but it has been a challenging year for myself and for a lot of people. So I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited to see what new opportunities 2019 can bring us. And uh, if you want to follow us here uh, around Grandfather Fire, you can follow us on our Facebook page. You can find this podcast, if you haven't already, on many different platforms, your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find Sarenth at sarenth.wordpress.com or on Twitter at Sarenth. And myself, you can find me at James at the Owl on Twitter or on Instagram at Wandering White Hat. And Instagram's kind of my go-to lately. I do love Instagram a lot. I post up a lot of pictures, and I'm going to be posting a picture. You know, I like to I like to talk about comic books here and there on this show. And one of the pictures that you'll see going up on my Instagram really soon, and I find it really poetically just, and also kind of sad at the same time. One of those things that happened in 2018 was a, a passing of someone that was an inspiration to me, Stan Lee, and. So I'm going to be posting up a picture. It's a new issue of Fantastic Four. And if you go by the old numbering, we're probably looking, I think it's issue 650 possibly. Out of the new run, it's issue four, I think. But um, it's the wedding of Ben Grimm. So one of the oldest characters in Marvel Comics, the the Thing, clobber in time. And he's uh, he's getting married finally. And because of the circumstance and timing of of his passing this particular issue has a big banner across the top with the uh, birth and death date of Stan Lee and Stan of course uh, was the uh, one of the people that imagined the Fantastic Four and really it was the Fantastic Four that started 
modern superhero comics in a lot of ways. The, you know, of course, Superman is the oldest, but it was really when Marvel Comics came along. Um, it wasn't even Marvel Comics back then, but it was they were really trying to humanize their characters and it made a huge difference on how everybody perceived them. So wonderful picture. Uh, a great episode and you'll see me post that up on my Instagram feed pretty soon along with some other pictures I did some readings with my new Starman Tarot um, recently and so I posted up a picture of one of the readings I did there so you know it's fun stuff if you want to check us out on social media and of course follow us on Facebook give us a good review on iTunes for the show we really appreciate it and anytime that you can share the show with other people we we really appreciate it word of mouth is definitely how we grow and, you know, so thinking of the new year, I'd gone out and we were looking around for guests and uh, I had a chance to interview Harry Sherwood of Consciously.org. And his is a company, a service that he and his partner started, and they focus a lot on health and holistic approaches to life and improving our lives. And they include aspects of the spiritual, the physical uh, how you eat, the, the exercise, meditation, a lot of different aspects. And so I thought he would be a fascinating way to start off this year because, as so many people do, there are resolutions that come about early in January and you're looking for a way to fulfill those resolutions. So I had a chance to talk on the phone with Harry Sherwood. And I hope that you guys find the interview as interesting as I did. He's, he's a fascinating guy. He's been all over the world and done a lot of interesting things. So um, with that, we're going to go to our interview with Harry Sherwood. Harry, welcome to Around Grandfather Fire. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to be here. Yeah, so uh, I saw that you went to the University of Michigan. Are you a local Michigan guy? I was born in Ann Arbor. I moved out to California when I was five, so I've spent the majority of my life in California, but I went back for school. So yes, in a sense, I am local. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm just down the road right now, and uh, my usual co-host, Sarah, he's over in the Ypsilanti area, so that's pretty cool to have someone with a local connection joining me. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that. So your website is uh, consciously.org, and when I was looking around on the website, it has a lot of really interesting things to it, programs for uh, health and meditation and even overcoming emotional obstacles. Tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so we, we do holistic health, and we call it holistic spirituality, and the concept is that our spiritual life, everything we do is for our spiritual life, that deeper spiritual connection, and that means something different to everyone. So the number one question is, what does it mean for you? Number two is, our health is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so if we aren't connected spiritually, that can cause problems in our physical, mental, and emotional health. And then vice versa, if we aren't doing very well, uh, if we're eating really poorly or we have some physical disease or we're really stressed out, we don't sleep well, uh, we're carrying emotional baggage with us, it's been around for 20 years, that can get in the way of our spiritual connection. So we really try to go in and help people connect on a deeper level and then clear out their health along the way so that we cover all aspects of who the person is. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um because everything's all so connected, so I understand that definitely. I know a lot of times amongst various uh, shamanic or spiritual practitioners, they, they often alter their diet. I know for myself, I've gone through periods of time, I think there was about a five-year period of time where I didn't eat any red meat, and that was a lot for my spiritual intent that I was going through at the time. Mm, exactly, exactly. And it's, you know, everyone, every spiritual tradition is slightly different, um, and the reasoning, especially in the shamanic world, is much more... Uh, when sitting in ceremony, there's, you know, activation between certain chemical compounds, or it could just be you know, specific intent. Uh, in other spiritual traditions, something like Buddhism, it's more about the compassion uh, for the animals. Uh, there are various ones that look at the just vibrational frequencies of various foods and how that, you know, if we are all energy, as, as uh, Newtonian physics tells us, then how does that interact with my own frequency and is that for my best and highest good? 
So there's a lot of different approaches to bringing in, especially nutrition, into the spiritual. And like you said, they're all they're all highly connected. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, before I get off a little bit on on how you got down this whole path and and got down these strange roads that led to this place that you're at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any sort of things that you're offering? I, I know this will be uh, the beginning of a new year. Is there anything that you're offering or recommending to people to get started with the new year? We always say that each individual is exactly that. You're your own unique universe. And so we always offer a free 30-minute consultation to talk to us on the phone and find out what is the next best step for you. Some people that's maybe just be changing up their nutritional a bit. Some people that's doing an emotional release session and getting rid of some of the baggage we're carrying. Uh, some people it's getting rid of stress and anxiety, sleeping better. Some people it's learning to meditate. And, and quite frankly, most people it's everything. So uh, it's I, I think the number one step and that we always offer is a free 30-minute consultation. If someone does sign up through uh, or via one of our programs through this podcast, they hear about us here and they tell us that um, they, they heard me on this podcast, we will be giving a 10% discount uh, to anything, whether they only spend a very small amount of money to a very large amount of money. So that's, that is uh, something that we want to kickstart the new year a little bit uh, with that 10% discount. But I think the number one step is to just book a free consultation if that's something that person's interested in. Oh, cool. Thank you. Thank you for offering that. That sounds really fantastic. So I, I know we had uh, messaged back and forth briefly to get this interview set up, and it's kind of been a, a long, strange path that you took to get here. I know you started with, what, a religious studies degree, right? But then you've been all over the world studying all these various things like uh, Qigong and Tai Chi and all these other things. Tell me a little bit about this progression and how this all happened. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, it didn't start with the uh, the program. That was kind of along the way. So a decade ago, I, actually longer than that now, but um, back in high school, I was your typical jock, partier, drink a lot of beer, chase, chase women. That's kind of how I spent my weekends, played football during the week and didn't really care about school. Uh, and, you know, on the surface, life was great, but underneath, I was, Suffocated. I was feeling suffocated with the lifestyle I was living. I was feeling like I was living a partial lie. Uh, there was something inside of me that was screaming to get out, that was screaming to take the leap of faith and follow this unknown voice. Uh, all I knew that it was spiritual in its intent. Uh, I had read a couple books or, you know, just kind of watched movies and always had this this feeling like there's some sort of spiritual adventure out there, like a, a Luke waiting for his adventure <laughs> and finding a Jedi type of thing. Uh, and so when I finally did that, uh, a couple years uh, after that, I wound up moving to China and studying Tai Chi and wow. Qigong with the Shaolin monks. And I spent four months there, and that was the beginning of my quest. And that was profound. It was amazing. I really, it was much more physical, though, than I was looking for. They trained eight hours a day. It was a martial arts studio. Um, so that was, uh, that was step number one. Then I came back to the United States. And in Southern California, there was an ashram that I moved into, which is essentially a living, a dwelling for monks and yogis who practice, practice yogic meditation and I spent the next six months there, and that completely changed my life, changed my world. I dove deeper into self, into myself, into self than ever before. I learned a lot about the psyche, about the spirit, uh, about myself, and uh, it was absolutely profound, which then led me to going back to school, changing my degree to religious studies, transferring to the University of Michigan, uh, but they didn't have a religious studies program, so I got to kind of create my own program. So I kind of call it my consciousness studies program as well because that was it was fascinating. Yeah, it, which was fun because it was. Uh, I studied mind, brain, and spirituality. I studied psych and spiritual development. I traveled to Ghana and studied their not only their spiritual culture but their funeral culture and various aspects of their lifestyle for a month. And then a year later, I went to Indonesia, and I hosted a group of students in intercultural communication and 
Uh, we wound up looking at their art and spirituality. And so a lot of different things fit into the program, and it was really unique, uh, which I loved. I absolutely loved it. And it was an academic approach, more of an intellectual approach to what I had been experiencing living with monks and martial artists. And um, so kind of, kind of, broaden more of the entire picture and you know I, I read books like Supernormal and various books where these are you know very scientific studies and uh, doctors who are looking at the parapsychology paranormal the supernormal uh, but doing it seriously and, and actually you know, taking it not just as, as this kind of spiritual concept but really looking at is this possible is this a reality that we're just not looking at which was fascinating. Uh, speeding up my story, went back to the ashram after graduating for another five months. I was going to become a monk, but I decided not to, or else I wouldn't be talking to you today. <laughs> and um, after that, uh, you know, not too long after that, I got back into coaching meditation and sports performance coaching, which I was doing before I left, nutritional coaching, and met my partner, Melanie McDaniel, who has a totally different background than me. Hers is she had a very traumatic past. She had PTSD. Uh, but she came out of that not through the Western approach but through alternative approaches, through the emotional release uh, that she actually now utilizes through homeopathy, through natural remedies. Uh, and so now she utilizes those with our clients. And so it's kind of been, it's been a continued journey of diving deeper, deeper, deeper. And then a couple years ago, I actually also stepped into the plant medicine world and that was another curveball. That was another layer deeper <laughs> and sitting with ayahuasca, sitting with psilocybin mushrooms. And I've been in about, between the two, I've been in about 15 ceremonies over the last couple of years. And uh, it, it's, you know, just opened, broadened my perspective even more as I've continued to meditate spiritually more and more deeper and deeper. I actually just saw, I was just with a monk yesterday um, so continuously getting counseling from 40-plus-year practitioners who dedicate their lives. So it's been a, it's been quite the journey. Wow, yeah, um, sounds like it. So yeah. did you did you head into martial arts in, in China first because you were that, that more athletic-type uh, background? You just thought that's the direction that you wanted to go? Honestly, not. Well, yes and no. I had done martial arts growing up, so it was... It was familiar to me, but the true answer is that my brother's friend had spent some time in a very similar place, and mm. he had said that it was fantastic, so it got me looking in that area, but the reason I chose Tai Chi and Qigong was because it was much more of the spiritual aspect. It was dealing with the body's uh, prana or chi, and that's something that I really wanted to start practicing. So it was for the spiritual, but yes, in the physical, I, I was very used to Eight hours a day of training was, was up my alley um, in multiple respects. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of a blend of the two. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I was wondering, I mean, like, what kind of gut check does it take to decide that I'm just going to get on a plane and go to China, especially at a younger age? Is that kind of like a daunting thing, or did you feel more confident because you knew someone that had gone, or what was that like? No, it was... Gosh, it was it was simultaneously a huge weight had been lifted, a following, taking the leap of faith and following the calling. I just knew I was on the right track. I didn't know if China would be, you know, where I found that or what, but just jumping off felt so amazing. But at the same time, I mean, I had multiple people and friends and, and whatnot who thought I was crazy, who thought I was throwing away my life. What was I doing? This was nuts. Uh, I didn't know what I was really getting into, but it, actually, interestingly enough, one of my friend's brothers, or brother's friends, um, the night before I left, just kind of looked me square in the eye and said, look, you have to be willing to change and evolve because China's not going to change for you. And that was the perfect advice going uh, out of the gates. It was just kind of whatever may come is what is meant to come because mm -hmm. uh, it was far different than I thought it was going to be. So, and, and then you came back, you joined the ashram. Now, uh, when you got into, uh, you were you were pursuing a lot of the 
Tai Chi and the uh, Qigong because of its its spiritual aspects. So when you came back, did that all tie together with what was going on at the ashram? Had that prepared you to be able to meditate at a deeper level, or what was that like? Yes and no. Yes, in that it did help me connect with the in, the internal energy sources easier because I had been spending the last four months practicing that. So yes, in that regard. No, in that uh, China really wasn't very, uh, I guess, that place wasn't focused on the spirituality of it. It was much more just the martial arts of it. So there was it wasn't super deep in that regard. Uh, when I got to the ashram, they were incredibly deep with the spirituality and the spiritual focus. So um, it it did help, but it was where the Tai Chi and Qigong later came in is, is nowadays where I kind of I have my own practice and it's a merger of everything I've learned over the last decade, and so I utilize that in part of my practice, uh, and I, I absolutely love it because it's much more my style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I guess over time, at the ashram, it, it kind of helped, but it was vastly different. That makes sense. Um, in When you say that, all ties together. Now, I, I'm interested here because you participated in, in uh, plant spirit medicine ceremonies, but I have found through the years on my practice that I, I'm not very plant-based. I'm more of a meditation or a drum-based. and um, But... So through your website, I noticed one of the things that you talked about even in this interview so far is emotional release. Now, a lot of people look at the plant spirit medicine as a tool for a lot of the emotional release. But am I correct in the presumption that that you would rather or you're more likely to have people approach it through a, a Qigong or meditation orientation first? Uh, you know, each each person is different. Once again, some people are far more ready to sit in ceremony than others. Uh, some people aren't interested in that. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we we try to have different tools for different people. As for the emotional release, uh, Melanie does those sessions. Those sessions are completely separate from sitting in ceremony or from qigong or tai chi or okay. meditation. Uh, so it's a separate technique or tool. Uh, however. Often, before someone sits in ceremony, we have them go through an emotional release session so that they can kind of get rid of any limiting beliefs that might be standing in their way uh, where plant medicine will be able to heal them and and be able to kind of guide them on their journey. So we try to take out as many roadblocks as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I know the other thing that kind of uh, a lot of people... um, you know, with with the shamanic ceremonies, ayahuasca has become the big buzzword. And I've had really good discussions with some of the various people that are involved at different levels. And one of the things that our culture tends to miss out on is that lack of preparation on one side and on the other side, the lack of follow-up. Because a lot of those cultures, there's you're, it's built into the culture. You're part of a community. And so the follow-up's right there where people in our culture tend to view it more one-and-done sort of thing. And that that's always a very hard thing to balance out. Absolutely, I totally agree, and we, we, you know, we talk about integration all the time, and uh, whether it's a plant medicine ceremony, whether it's going to some events where you have this really amazing breakthrough, uh, you know, whatever it is, a large shift is only as good as the lifestyle that you implement afterwards. If you don't change anything in your day-to-day life, if you don't bring in a practice that helps you integrate that breakthrough, it's almost just, I mean, it's only ever going to be a memory at that point. And it almost, it's almost as if it didn't happen because we do those to transform, to break through, to become a more authentic part of ourselves, a more attuned spiritual person. So without, you know, a daily meditation practice, which I don't think everyone needs to meditate. Some people don't. But without some sort of integration and, and evolution of self, uh, I totally agree that it, it just becomes this, wild things someone did at some point uh, that they kind of, you know, they're, they're missing the larger picture of. Yeah, uh, my partner, Sarah, and I, we usually talk about, uh, so you've had a life-changing experience, now what? 
and is the way we approach it because uh, unfortunately a lot of times you get that with people where they've had some profound experience but by time a few days pass and you roll back into your job how are you following up on that what happens next so tell me a little bit more about your partner and what uh, how she approaches emotional release and what her background's like um well, she's phenomenal, and she she approaches it through, uh, she utilizes various techniques. She would be the one to tell you that. In fact, I think she'd be fantastic to have this on this podcast at some point because she's more involved in the plant medicine world than I am. Okay. But um, she uh, just, you know, I, I, I'm not going to share much about her history. That's for her to do, but sure, she did grow sure. up with a very traumatic past, um, which led her to being in, I don't know, 10 to 15 years of, western therapy and it didn't really do the trick for her and then she found um a couple different modalities alternatively like emotional release technique neural emotional technique tapping um bach flowers homeopathics various alternative approaches that she now utilizes with uh, with some of our clients and it is it's profound work and i'd say the number one thing that she does is she's an intuitive uh and so she really just case by case, person by person, is guided through those sessions um, through her spiritual connection more than, okay, let's do X, Y, and Z with every person, A, B, C, D. Uh, it's much more, all right, where is this session going to take us? Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's really nice. I can see how you guys dovetail together. When, you, uh, when someone has a consultation, they're talking to one or the other of you, and then do you consult with each other and kind of come up with a game plan, or how does that look? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we we both try to hop on the consultation if we're both free. But yeah, it's one or the other. And we're both pretty good at knowing kind of, all right, it sounds like the next best step is to start with an emotional release session with her or with a, a life coaching session with me or a spiritual coaching session, whatever it may be, just to get a flavor for us. And mm-hmm. so we can really pinpoint down uh, the best next step. And we've already started that work. So you really, you know, both sides get very comfortable other people are like, no, I want to start the year-long program immediately and really dive into transforming my life. And so some people know exactly what they want. Some people have no idea what they want. And so we, we take a little bit slower approach. Yeah, definitely. I can I can understand that. Actually, you're a great person to ask with your various backgrounds here. I think a lot of times there is a big misunderstanding, excuse me, about what meditation is or what it looks like. Do you have any insight into that that you might want to offer anybody? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That is a great question. And I have multiple answers there, but number one, I will start off with saying, and this this is something that a lot of meditation teachers and practitioners will not tell you, uh, but it's just, it's the truth of it. And meditation was originally created for spiritual purposes. It's all, there's a lot of secular meditation out there for getting rid of stress and anxiety for basically mental health purposes, which is fantastic, and it's all well and good, but we call those side effects. Health is a side effect of a deeply connected lifestyle, and so first and foremost, it is it was utilized and created originally to connect with spirit, to have a deep connection to source and what is, and so, it, you know, more or less, it is that practice now what is meditation what isn't meditation within various techniques there's plenty of different techniques and if we're gonna get really you know stay really honest and go really deep with it meditation its purpose is to become aware of the awareness to become aware of the consciousness that is beyond the mind a lot of people identify with our thoughts and our emotions and our body but those are things that we have. If I'm aware of them, who is aware of them? What is aware of them? There is something behind that that you, as we sink into it deeper and deeper, the who actually starts to fade. Who am I is a, is a profoundly deep question, but mm-hmm. it usually dissolves into what am I? And that what is um, spirit, soul, whatever someone wants to call it, but there's this awareness that is connected to all things. There's a unifying field of consciousness that many longtime practitioners will talk about having experienced, and that is that spiritual intent, that spiritual 
focus of union, of um, unification of consciousness, and it's this profound experience of blissful and peaceful proportions that the mind cannot comprehend. It's beyond, it literally is beyond mind. So anything that is meditation is, you know, it can be through breathing, through listening, through connecting somehow, some way, so that we start to separate um, identity with mind, body, or yeah, mind, emotions, and body, and into that deeper spiritual self. That makes sense. The the uh, I see sometimes I've I've read in a very few places, but I'm very interested in. Um, I think a lot of times the, con- the the perception is there that meditation just automatically leads to these states of relaxation and things getting better. But I- I've read a few things, and it's been my kind of experience, that sometimes meditation first has to take you through a process of really making those shadow issues rear their ugly head and kind of backing into a corner. Do you find that to be true as well? I, I think that any... Any modality of a sincere seeker for liberation, for, you know, pure health and, and higher levels of realization, will you will come across uh, things that if you're not, if you haven't been willing, ready, willing, and able to look at them, they will come up. You know, if you're holding baggage, you have to let it go. And not all modalities and techniques make you absolutely face it and wrestle with it and go head on. There, that's you know, that's more of a masculine approach. There's a feminine approach of just letting it be what it is and let it go. Some issues do need to be dealt with with eyes open. Some don't. And so, it you know, it is, it's a case by case, issue by issue. But yes, absolutely. The more the, the more time we spend with ourselves, the more we uh, sift through what is self and what isn't self. And that's when a lot of that baggage falls away. But quite frankly, a lot of people getting rid of identity is scary. It's incredibly mm-hmm. scary. And that takes, that, that takes us along a lot of the things that we've been denying or unwilling to look at. So, yes, that shadow self comes up. And, um, you know, in my own personal journey, it's, it's no joke when it does. And so it does take uh, sometimes good guidance sometimes just a really strong purpose in why you're doing it uh, but the, if you continue to show up you, you, we can break through those and we can release them um, and there is beauty on the other side you said that you started this kind of whole project and journey because you were feeling that there was a lack of a, a spiritual connection going on in your life I think that's becoming a little bit more pervasive in our society. Like there's more spiritual seekers in some ways than ever, but they're not necessarily going towards organized religions like they used to. Is that influencing what you're doing as well? Yes, yes, and that that is the case. There's a shift from religious to spiritual, and I, you know, obviously I would argue that the core of religion is spiritual, but there are a lot of structures and traditions and various things that have happened throughout history as to why people are leaving the more organized religions because it isn't all spiritual. There's a lot of things kind of crowding that out now. Um, so yes, that is very much something that we see in people who, I, I, I mean, we have people who are very religious that come to us. We have people who are very against religion who come to us. We have people who are atheists that come to us and it's all like I said, it, it, spirituality means something different to everyone, and you don't have to necessarily have a belief system to start. Along the way, you'll probably pick up a belief system here or there of just kind of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we see we see all types, but we absolutely see a, a large shift away from organized religion into the individual spirituality. I'm sorry if I'm bouncing all over here a little bit. I just have a lot of thoughts coming up. I, I'm also interested, does that tie together or, uh, how do I phrase this? Like, your your interest in the funerary rites that you attended, does that all tie together with kind of that, that seeking a greater thing than, than an individual person? Or how did that influence come in? Mm. Uh, I love bouncing all over the place, by the way. It's, I'm, I'm totally good to go right. in different parts. 
Actually, the, the funeral stuff that I studied was more a part of the... I went with a professor and with a group of students, and that was more along the lines of the curriculum of what we were doing. So oh, that was gotcha. kind of okay. a part of it. But as a part of it, their funeral rites were very spiritual. Um, you know, specifically the type of drums and music that they would play. Uh, it was a celebration as opposed to a mourning. It was... Uh, the chief would connect with the, the spirits as they pass through and other spirits and their guidance. And so it was very spiritual. Uh, it wasn't my choice, though, uh, but I'm glad that I experienced it because it was very spiritual. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, sure. Because I was wondering, because it ties together a lot of times, like I know with that that removal of uh, of, of a structured and organized religion that a lot of people are experiencing, um that there's become different demands for spiritual practitioners and and people who are aware. And, and the example I'll give is there's uh, the death doulas, which are a lot more pervasive than they used to be. And even, I think, what you're doing with the spiritual and lifestyle coaching, this all falls into categories and areas that maybe used to be handled by a more standardized priest or organized religion. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, quite frankly, there's a, uh, you know, within our lives and with our trajectory of what we want to create into the future, we have very, very big plans with everything we want to do, but we eventually want to become priests in a sense or monks or whatever. We want to start an ashram. We want to build a community where people can come and dive deep into their spiritual lives and then go back to their normal lives or that they can come and live and stay just like I did at the ashram. So, uh, you know, that is our trajectory in a sense as well. It won't be an organized religion necessarily, but it will be just my role continually will be spiritual guide. And so I think being those things within organized religion is fantastic, but I think there's also a call for that role or that type of role outside of it now, like you're saying, um, and that is very much a role I'm playing, and very much a role I'm gonna I'm gonna create within a community as time goes on as well. So, being a, a coach like that, or someone that kind of guides and mentors people through, what's it like from your perspective? What's it like from your side of the of the desk, so to speak? Mm. It's beautiful, beautiful work. Everyone's at their at their different stages within their journey. Um, you know, it's. it's it's always an interesting balance being that guide because, number one, it's not about me. It's about that person. And number two, how do I bring that person in in the best way for them to hear into deeper concepts, into uh, you know, connecting them as swiftly as possible and as authentically for them as possible with those deeper experiences? And some people... Uh, honestly, it's easier to work with people who have been doing their own thing, who might be a Reiki practitioner and understand psychology. You know, basically, the more someone knows, the easier it is for me because then I can directly connect them to, I can take what they know and directly connect them to deeper uh, experiences quickly. Other people who are really just everything is atypical to them, but they want to start exploring, that's also in its own way super fun because then I kind of get to be this, uh, this shepherd bringing someone into deeper concepts and seeing some light bulbs go off, seeing some doors be closed, and then, okay, how do we you know, maneuver around that? And having, meeting someone where they are, having the conversation needs to be had, it's, it's a delicate balance. It's amazing and fun. I absolutely love it. And it's, it's super rewarding to see people come out of a meditation session that we've had and just feel amazing and feel something new that they'd never felt before. They don't even know how to put words to it and help them find those words. And so it's a, it's a beautiful process. Oh, sounds like it. What, um, what does your daily spiritual practice look like? It's different every single day. I used to be very regimented and I actually wound up finding obligation in it. And mm -hmm. just like, Oh, I have to sit and I have to sit for X amount of time. And I have to do these techniques in this order and it kind of took the, the soul out of what I was doing from the original intent of why I was doing it. So over the years, I've really come to a place of merging the structure with the natural flow. So 
currently what I'm doing is I sit for a three-hour session five days a week, uh, but it doesn't need to be all during one session. You know, I can break it up an hour and a half, an hour and a half, or whatever naturally comes. Within that, I usually sit in stillness. I'll sit with eyes open, connecting with my surroundings. I do a mix of Tai Chi, Chi Gong, and kind of just intuitive dance. It's, it's my own thing oh, that I've created, and it's incredibly powerful. And the only rule is that you're meant to dance with the Chi, and if you can't feel the chi, then connect with it and let it let it guide you. And so, I, you know, I really have a very unique practice to myself that I've put together over the years. But I am implementing right now um, that three hours, five days a week, so that I just have it in my schedule. People can't schedule me during that time, and I can just really uh, continue to deepen the connection. I like that. Um, I think there's a lot of insight there because not only um, the importance of being able to schedule some time, but also the fact that I think people tend to beat themselves up a lot if they can't do like three straight hours or an hour and a half or, you know what I mean, whatever their goal set is. I think there's a lot of self-judgment there where if people would give themselves a little bit more freedom to to decide that maybe I can only do 20 minutes right now, but I'll do another 20 minutes later, that sort of thing, uh, and remove their own judgment out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something, I mean, we have people start off who are brand new to meditation just doing eight-minute meditation. So we start them off very, very small, just get into the practice. We have them do it when they're driving. We do, obviously, eyes open, but how can we connect with our surroundings in a more unified way as we're in movement in life? Because we don't sit to sit, we sit to connect, to live in that place throughout life. Um, so yes, absolutely, we try to make it uh, very unique to each individual, what works best for them. We do recognize that some people start to not want to face the more challenging sits as a result, and we do face that, but we don't make the practice overly challenging because that is, that's how a lot of people fall off. I've talked to endless amounts of people who, oh, I used to be vegan, or oh, I used to meditate, or oh, I used to, and my, my question is, well, why don't you still, what happened, and it, it usually has to do with, they never found their stride with it, so mm-hmm. it fell off. Yeah, that makes sense. I can understand that. Uh, that's, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of these things are about figuring out who you are as a person, and then and then challenging yourself to growth. But you can't jump right into running the marathon. Yes, absolutely. And some people are better at that. Some people do dive in head first, and and it works for them. And that's unique to them. That's more of an extremist perspective. I'm kind of an extremist in my energy source, so I understand that. Other people need very much uh, a lot more hand-holding and just dip their toe in at first and then slowly go into the waters. So we just find what works for each individual. So you've been part of shamanic ceremonies before. You, you've you had experiences with ayahuasca, um, and, you, and you've spoken of chi. Is this, uh, when you sit and connect to other things, you spoke about connecting to things, do you perceive as often it is with shamanic cultures and animistic worldview? Like, do you feel the spirit of the individual, say, trees or that that you're around? Do you recognize them as other spirits? How does that all fit into your worldview? Mm. Yes, absolutely. I'm, uh, nature is a friend of mine, and I am a friend of nature's, and it, uh, it, it's absolutely profound to connect with the energy of all things. And there is a level of consciousness in all things. It is what unites each and all of us, and there also is the chi or the energy, the prana, however someone wants to call it, within all things as well, and especially something like nature that also has a biological life to it is, it's just a profound learning lesson to sit with a plant or an animal and to just sense sense them, feel them, um, and to be guided by that feeling. You know, I was in the park a few months ago and I was just meditating with the trees and just to the lessons learned from such a, a being as a tree that's been around for so much longer than me that faces such a different lifestyle and holds such a different energy. I mean, it's incredible to connect on that level. Uh, and so, yes, you know, shamanism and animism, with their unique and profound connection to 
nature, the spirit of nature, uh, is absolutely something that I daily connect with. Uh, and, it, and it very much uh, melds directly into my larger perspective of life in the universe. And they're, you know, they're different, but they're also one and the same. All right, so are you ready for the big question? This is the big one. This is, this is the, <laughs> I'm ready. This is the big $50 question here. So you used a word earlier in the interview, and I think if there's anybody that I ever want to ask about this, uh, it's somebody that, that is is studied consciousness studies at the University of Michigan. So we're going we're gonna to tackle this one. You used the word authenticity. What do you think? How would you define living authentically in a, a spiritual and physical sense? For me, the word authenticity comes down to following someone's heart, following someone's heart. And usually the heart is guided by spirit in my perspective. And so when someone's living authentically, it's am I following my soul call? Am mm -hmm. I following who I am in that deeper sense into the, you know, what am I? And so, quite often, um, people, I think, think of authenticity as, I like this, I don't like that, so just be real about what you like and what you don't like, and I think there is definitely a level of truth to that, but in a deeper sense, and this comes into the individuality perspective, um, you know, and it, each, each individual is unique. However, when we become identified with uh, certain things like race and creed and uh, socioeconomic status and uh, sexual preference, those are identifiers and labels that separate us. And those are things of the mind and things of the body that create a world of, I, I think, not good diversity, of diversity that uh, separates and pins us against each other. But the true um, uniqueness and authenticity of the individual is through the expression of spirit through that individual. How is spirit uh, creating this unique expression of itself in a person, and how is that being expressed? That that Tai Chi Gong dance that I was talking about—it's just like I—I I mean, most people look at me and maybe laugh, or just—it's just this unique flow of energy moving through me, and there's no right way to do it. And for me, that's an authentic practice, an authentic expression of life. Um, and this comes to a perspective of life, which is a lot of us look at life like a race to be won, and especially the Western society, it's like a marathon, and along the way, you know, you have to don't sprint too fast, don't sprint too slow, but there's an end goal. Uh, and another perspective is that life is a dance. Life is art. You don't, you don't ever see a musician play to finish. You don't see an artist create something just to be done. They create it for the flow of energy, the flow of life force flowing through them to create a masterpiece, to dance. You enjoy the dance along the way. You enjoy making music. And so for me, authenticity is enjoying your own unique style of artistry and expression, um, and it's a unifying expression and not a separating one. So I know this is something that I've struggled with a little bit, and, and maybe other people do as well. What happens when uh, you feel like you're not living your authentic self? Like, I, I mean... Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, from your perspective, um, a great thing to do would be to, to give you a call or look up the, the consciously.org website and, and see about getting a consultation. But if, like, if you had one thing that you could just, a piece of advice that you would give to people, like how to start zeroing in and locating that authentic self, where would you tell them to start? Always with questions. Be, be incredibly... Question everything to an incredible level. Be very um, honest with yourself. Most people know when they're not living their authentic self, and it comes up as disease, stress, anxiety, as restlessness. Uh, you know, it comes up in so many different ways that are causing a lot of the health concerns that we have in our society today, which is why we talk about the, the connection between that and spiritual connection. And mm. so um, ask questions, questions like, uh, why am I doing what I'm doing in this moment? 
whatever I'm doing right now, why am I listening to this podcast? Why am I go? Why am I working at this place? Why am I fill in the blank? Um, and then when you find come up with an answer, ask why again, and just get rid of the BS. Get rid of all of the questions that we've been programmed to respond with. That you know, I need to make money in order to make a living. And we really look at we look at all the structures. Uh, that exist today. Ask why. Why is the economy the way it is? Why is our education system the way it is? All the way down to why do I act the way that I act? Why do I like the things that I like? And get rid of the BS. Get rid of it. It's not serving you. It's never has served you, and it's not gonna serve you. Uh, and I, and I do want to take back actually what I just said. So it it might have served you, mm, and right, right. maybe that's just to fit in at one point. But now is it still serving you? And so. Just be rawly authentic with yourself, and that's where plant medicines and meditation and all these things, they help us get to know ourselves. The level of introspection that happens during those is profound. Uh, and so we have every single client of ours go through a 50-question questionnaire to start. It's called a life review and then a purpose statement. So, you know, who are you, where do you come from, what are your fears, all those things, and then what is it that you want? So many deep questions to help someone draw that out of them. But the number one thing I would say is to find out the authentic you, uh, which, honestly, you might not know in words right now. You might, it might just be a feeling. Bring that feeling out. Ask it questions. Talk to it. Feel with it. Sit with it. And, and see what comes out over time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Boy, those, those questions can be so hard to tackle, too. Like, like you said, sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll get a question like that and the first answer that jumps in your mind is correct. But at the same point in time, it's not always coming where you thought it was coming from. You kind of like, you surprise yourself sometimes with those things. Yeah, so true. So true. And I honestly, I revisit the questions yearly. I'm actually going through the process right now again for the nth time of, you know, why am I doing what am I doing? What I'm doing? What is my true north statement? What are all these things? Um, and just making them more and more crisp and, and throughout my life, especially the last 10 years, uh, activities that are no longer serving that purpose just begin to fade away. I just stop partaking in them because they aren't supporting my highest vision. Um, and so it does take time. It, you know, you might find your purpose and it doesn't mean that tomorrow you're going to be living it. It might take a while. And something else that I always, caution people on too is just because you find your purpose don't or as you're looking for it don't necessarily think it means your vocation you might keep your job yeah and and a lot of people well i need to quit my job then it's like well maybe but maybe not maybe you know your your calling is in family or is in health or is in uh contribution to society whatever it may be um but don't necessarily think that it's going to just totally disrupt your life even just by looking because a lot of people are afraid of that and so they don't want to look at all. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I was part of a uh, a men's spirituality ceremony once and they were asking us to give um, words of advice to men that were younger than ourselves that were within the same ceremony. And one of the pieces that I gave was don't make the mistake of being defined by your job because there's so much more to us than our vocations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Also, what you're saying reminds me a lot of my spiritual traditions as well. In the traditions as I was taught, there are two concepts, Sami and Hucha. And and Sami is that light and refined energy, and Hucha is that heavy energy. Um, the The way I was taught, we never look at things as like, quote-unquote good or evil it's always a matter of heavy and light and and ideally through ceremony through work through uh, study through connections you want to let go of those things that are a burden to carry why would you carry things that are a burden i mean sometimes you'll make that decision because there's a goal in mind but by and large if something's a burden you don't necessarily have to or want to carry it all the time right right yeah i love that and that also comes down to someone's belief system. It, you know, often people just need the permission to be themselves. They need the permission, like, hey, you don't need to keep being around people who don't vibe with you. Like, it's okay. You don't have to suck it up and, and be of service, even though X, Y, or Z. If someone's a toxin in your life, let them go. It's okay. It's okay for you to be happy. 
And that's a concept that seems really simple, but a lot of people don't give themselves the permission to have feelings, to be happy, to just be a human being. Um, and so with, with various clients, we've had to just get them to a place that they are allowed to start dreaming. Mm, um, and then yeah. I love that, that concept of the light and heavy. That's, that's fantastic. I'm actually going to start using that. <laughs> well, I, I found that with the, the people that I deal with through ceremony or shamanic cleansings or whatever, that it's really helpful because um, the, the concept of light and heavy, I think, ties in a lot to what you're saying with, with uh, meditation and, and self-discovery and, and the authenticity because you're stripping away that value judgment. It's not a matter of it being bad or I'm a bad person for carrying it. It's saying, oh, this served me once before, but it doesn't now, so I can go ahead and put it down. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's another belief system thing that we have to work with people on is getting rid of good and bad and getting rid of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. You say, look, there is no right. It's all relative. What's right for you? Let's find out what's right for you. And just because, you know, my spiritual practice looks some way doesn't mean yours is going to. And just because my life looks some way doesn't mean yours is going to. And that, you know, we just need to find out what your specific frequency is. Yeah, we could, we could probably say there might be universal, more universal rights and wrongs on how we should be treating each other or other spirits or, or uh, beings that we occupy the planet with but so much of what we judge ourselves with, with that right and wrong, are, are kind of false labeling. Right, right. And that, you know, this does get into a long philosophical debate about is there a universal truth, a universal right and wrong. And there's good, there's good arguments for both sides, there being the answer yes and the answer no. Um, but those are also, that deals with belief system, and that's something that uh, we usually actually don't come across in our work, but it is fun to have that conversation at point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Everybody listening again, this is Harry Sherwood, and he's with Consciously.org, which is a very fantastic lifestyle website dealing with health and nutrition and meditation, emotional release, and all kinds of factors that are affecting your life and your ability to move forward and and, and live your authentic life. So uh, please look that up and consider getting a consultation. And thank you so much for joining me tonight, Harry. Thank you so much for having me. And I, you know, I have one little, I guess, parting phrase for everyone, which is you are the one that you have been waiting for. And often we wait for that, that mystical teacher to come into our lives and they will at the right times, but you're the one who has to take a stand for your own development in your own life and to, to create the magic that we're all searching for. Fantastic. Thank you again, Harry. Thank you.